0: To the, to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle
2: Hour. All right, everybody, welcome to the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Kelly Santer. I'm actually in Laurel today at the Southern Bank Core Studio over here with uh, Will Tony, Michael is uh, with Kelly uh, they're at the Southern Bank Core Studio in Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us wherever you're tuned in. We've got Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. going to be talking some New Orleans Saints football here in just a few minutes. And... Uh, Various other things uh, with the professor. Opening segment of our show every day is sponsored, of course, by Dickie's Barbecue Great supporters of our program, great supporters of Southern Miss Athletics, At a great place to take your family for dinner tonight. All right, before we uh, move on to uh, Patrick McGee, we're, we're excited and happy to have Graham Crawford back uh, in the studio with us. Graham transferred to uh, Southern Miss from the University of Alabama last year, a catcher on uh, the top ten Golden Eagle baseball team uh, that just wrapped up its season. And and we believe a real contender and uh, perhaps even the front runner for the starting catcher's position on next year's Golden Eagle team, Grandpa. Thanks for coming. And before we, before we get to next year, quite a ride you guys have this year. And I know that uh, you have to be proud to. I uh, know the team you played on this year has finished uh, in the top ten of every major collegiate baseball poll.
3: Oh yeah, it's an honor. It uh, it was great to be a part of a team with a, with a bunch of leaders, a bunch of old guys that really um knew what it took to win. And uh everybody that you know, you look at the season halfway through it, and you're sitting at. 22 and 15 and then nobody really really believes what we could do and then all of a sudden it turns around um and we end up what over 45 50 40 something wins and right
2: 46 I think. 46
3: yeah. wins and what 19 losses 18 yeah it's pretty impressive you know 46 and just 56, turned it around right, and yeah. really got the train rolling in the right direction
2: all right, as a competitive athlete, uh, again, I think you're you're in a position to uh, very likely be the starting catcher uh, on next year's team. I, but I know you're a competitive young man. It was difficult, I'm sure, not to uh, to get a lot of playing time this season. But there were two seniors. Uh, catching on the team and i'm sure that you realize that coming in but moving forward uh, i would think you're very optimistic about really getting on the field a lot next year for the golden eagles
3: oh yeah i mean i definitely hope so i mean nothing's ever given it's definitely you gotta earn it um and i was i didn't get to play a lot this year but i also got to watch two outstanding guys play in front of me and learn from them you know poach is a guy that hit 400 i mean (laughs) who. how many guys in college baseball hit 400 not not very many and then you got blake johnson who's arguably a top 10 defensive catcher in the country and we had two guys that are great at two things you know and poach is oh my gosh it's an outstanding receiver getting to learn from him now now poach is montenegro yes my bad that's what we call him um i don't even know i've never called him anything else
1: (laughs) okay it's funny we have some
3: people call him gabe and he gets really mad Okay. Because, you know, because of his brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they'll be like, oh, you're Gabe's brother. And he's like, what? No, I have my own name. Yeah. right. Yeah. Cool yeah. now. Uh, Rodrigo. Yeah. So, so, Poach is... Poach is Rodrigo.
1: Yes. Yeah. Montenegro. But, but really, though, uh, Graham, when you look back at your career at Pearl River, you started every game, you know, batted with power from both sides, set records at Pearl River. Your durability at Summerall High School started every game since a freshman. I mean, really... In your career, which as a catcher is remarkable. your durability, that you've never been injured uh, and the fact that you were on the bench a good bit this year mentally, you were in a position that you had never been in. So how did you deal with the fact
3: that you were on the bench when you've been used to playing every inning of every game? um, it's like I said, I've played college baseball now four years. I'm an older guy, and I've been on just about every role you could be on as far as the team goes you know whatever whatever your part is everybody has a part in the team success whether anybody knows or not whether some guy has his hat on backwards in the dugout there's a reason he does it um and you you know i looked at those guys when i was at pro river that didn't play and the guys you could make a difference the guys that impacted you or the guys that were always there always in it always being the great teammate always lending the hand and giving everything they had you know that that carries over, that says something about them. And I wanted to be looked at and talked about the same way. Never pouted, never slacked up, gave it 110% every single day, and that's all you can ask for. Keep your head up and do your job to, to win the game. So you talked about earning the position as
1: you look at your individual skill set now heading into the fall, which we got a little bit of time yet, but what
3: are some things individually in your game that you want to work to improve upon? Definitely receiving. You know, That's one thing that me and Coach Brewer are really really harping on this summer. I'm um, working on a lot of receiving and a lot of throwing things. I'm um, trying to clean it up and get ready for the fall. Okay, now when you talk about receiving, that's obviously catching the ball. But yes. what, what in particular? Um, Is qui- that- quieting a lot of things down. Quieting a lot of things down. Making too big of movements when I don't need to. Um, trying to keep it as simple as possible. While being as efficient as possible and being able to do it over and over and over and just being repetitious.
1: Now there had been there had been times I was told that you had, that you really struggled with uh, with breaking pitches. You know, uh, particularly last fall. Right. You know, tell us how that progress has. has you know, come we've
3: on. definitely been working on it. Um, for me, it's the whole new thing of learning a new new staff. Um, I it it's always came tough to me. Um, the more that I've played with. Each pitcher, the better I catch. That's how I've always been. And I'm not making an excuse by any means, but you catching a guy that you don't know his tendencies, his misses, just how much it breaks when it's good, when it's not, when it's up and spinning, you don't know. You know, and and just learning them, catching them over and over and over again, it gets it definitely gets better over time.
1: Now it's it's tough enough to be a good hitter from one side, whether it's the left side or the right side. Tell us about your history as a hitter and as a switch hitter. When, when you were a little kid and you started hitting, were you a natural right-handed hitter? We know you throw right-handed, obviously, mm-hmm. as a catcher. But did you start as a left-handed hitter and then develop the right
3: side? It's really it's a really weird story. So okay. when I started playing t-ball, I hit left-handed, and I really don't remember much of this. So I hit left-handed until I think I was seven and eight, and that's when coach pitch came into play. Right. Right. So who are your best two? fielders or best two players on your team in seven and eight the pitcher the, the pitcher in the first baseman because right. they're the ones i can catch it and throw it right? right well apparently i kept rolling over ground at first base well if you pull it and hit it to short shortstop third base you can beat it out they're not going to make the throw right so apparently i'm like i'm done like i'm not hitting left anymore i do hit right-handed so <laughs> so from that getting from, out yeah right? from that day on from probably seven eight years old till i was 14 i never hit left-handed again except playing wolf football that's about it. So it just came naturally? Yeah. I mean, we we had some pretty competitive wiffle ball games where where I grew up. And, uh, I mean, it was daily. It was daily. So I hit left-handed just as much as I did right-handed. It was just wiffle ball, not baseball. It's interesting, though,
1: because normally, Bob Getty, the numbers, you know, normally a hitter is pretty the, – the numbers from each side vary pretty drastically. You know, you're normally much better from one side than the other. But when you look at Graham Crawford's career – not only power, but average wise, the numbers are pretty equal, right handed and left handed.
2: Well, we're glad to have him here. Graham, I want you to answer this question for our listening yes, audience. When you look at this year's team, there are a lot of guys that are leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got third base, shortstop, we assume will be gone, first base, center field. And so that, that concerns some fans, but. Talk in the time we have left about the talent that's on the baseball team and how talented a team you think uh, the Golden Eagles will be next year.
3: I think a lot of people are going to be very surprised. I think there's going to be some guys break out that nobody's expected. Um, I think we have just as much talent. Uh, We don't have the experience. Don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of those guys have been three-year starters, four-year starters. But – as far as talent goes, as far as ability goes, you're going to see some guys out there, and I think I think
2: everybody's going to be really excited. So you don't anticipate any drop-off in the level of play? Absolutely not. All right. Let me say before we run out of time that what you said at the start of this about being a teammate, not complaining, giving 100%, that is a great example that I hope every young kid coming up through Little League Baseball, through high school baseball, listens to and understands. That's a real credit to you, and uh, that's the reason that we think uh, you're going to be so valuable to this Golden Eagle team moving forward. So congratulations on that attitude, and best of luck to you in the, fall, in the fall workouts.
3: Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Hey, your dad was a catcher. He was. So were you better than he? No question. And there's no doubt. <laughs> Have you asked him that question? I'd, I'd hope he'd say the same, depending on who's asking the questions, how he's going to answer it. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> if I were to ask him, he'd say absolutely not. But uh, Right, right. But I'm never going to say he's better than me. But, I, will, I will admit this. He's better than me at golf. He is. Oh, okay. He is better than me at golf. That's the only thing that I'm going to give him credit for. But you're working on that I'm this I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm getting to figure. I'm trying to. I'm still not good. Do not get me wrong. But... Working on it here and there. Okay. Well, th- yeah, and, and
1: and you when you talked about the talent of the team coming up next year, uh, you, you didn't hesitate, and and you and you not only think that it's it's going to be the replacements are going to, you've used the word studs with oh, some yeah. of these guys that
3: are going to be on the field next year. Oh yeah, I'm so, super excited. I know. I know everybody will be. Be very excited whenever we get the product out there in the in the in the spring.
2: All right, Bob. There you go. There's kind All of right, Graham. We appreciate right, it, young man. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, sir. For you being have a good on one. Show. Graham Crawford. Everybody, Super Talk Eagle Hour. We'll go down to the Big Easy, locate the Professor next. Stay with us.
0: Southern Miss to the top.
2: All right, we want to thank Graham Crawford uh, for coming on in the first segment. What a great example. And I hope if you've got kids that play sports, you'll tell them what you heard Graham Crawford say today. Uh, you know, Will, Tony, that's the kind of baseball player you want on your team. Absolutely, no question. Yeah. You know, he had, the, he had the right attitude. No question. I'm with Will, Tony. We're in the uh, Southern Bank studio here in Laurel. Michael and uh, Kelly are back in Hattiesburg at the Southern Bank Core Studio. This segment is sponsored by Campus Book Mart and Miss Kathleen the princess of Southern Miss Apparel. You'll find her seven days a week right there on Hardy Street across from the campus. Also, you can shop online at net. Patrick McGee is the professor. He works for dola.com a sports writer extraordinaire that uh, covered Southern Miss for many, many years and is now living in the Big Easy and uh, still keeps his eye close to uh, the Southern Miss baseball program. And uh, so the big announcement comes out this week, Patrick, uh, Obviously, we knew who the coach was going to be. It had already been announced. But the formal introduction uh, to Christian Ostrander, he announced his new staff, uh, bringing bringing in one new coach and a a young lady that's going to head up all the uh, logistical things for the baseball program. The consensus is that if Scott Berry is going to retire, you couldn't be in better hands. Your thought about the uh, official kickoff of the Christian Ostrander regime in Hattiesburg?
4: Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, it just feels so smooth, the transition from, well, I know the staff is going to change slightly, uh, but it just feels like everything's heading in the right direction for this program. And, and you think of, of all the programs that could have hired the a year ago, you know, LSU probably, you know, was considering him for pitching coach. Tulane probably should have hired him and take coach, but he wisely hung around to, uh, to get that Southern Miss job. Uh, Ostrander is one of the, the most respected assistants in the nation and his most respected pitching coaches.
2: And he's
4: got that background that you want as Southern Miss baseball coach. He was coach at uh, J.C. J.C., was head coach at Gulfport. Uh, he's just perfectly rooted in this region. And he's just got the, the respect of the entire Southern Miss fan base and really just the college baseball world as a whole. So, I mean, it, it's just hard to see Southern Miss doing better than, than Ostrander.
2: And how about the Golden Eagles, Patrick? Every major poll comes out uh, this week, yeah. season-ending poll. They're in the top ten of every major poll. Really, really, a, a great finish to the year.
4: Yeah, I, I guess I saw the one where they rank, uh, ranked them number nine. I think it's V one baseball I had them there. And that's you know, that's, that's that's a sign of respect. You know, that's that shows you how close this team was. I know it's frustrating to be one win away from the College World Series. Uh, but I think that tells everybody, you know, it, it lets everybody know where Southern Miss Baseball stands, uh, right now, uh, just on a consistent basis. Southern Miss right now is, you would probably have to put up there as uh, the most respected, uh, uh, program outside of the, the traditional powerhouse conferences right now. I agree. So just at this very moment. And that could, that's something that kind of goes up and down. But just yeah. going back over the last year or two, that's where Southern Miss stands.
2: One more, one more thought before we get Kelly in. Uh, What's so significant to me about about the final rankings is is they were in the top ten of every poll. It wasn't just an outlier poll. And I think you just nailed it. It shows what national respect the baseball program has garnered.
4: Yeah, I mean, things are still rolling. It doesn't feel like it's something that's going to slow down. I mean, there's still work to be done uh, to put this team together and see how the draft shakes out here in a week or two. Uh, so there's a lot of things still to be determined, but there's no reason to believe that you know, this program's taking a step back.
1: Right. Kelly? So, Patrick, we shift gears now. Of course, Saturday is uh, July 1st, and once that calendar turns – Football fans, particularly in the Big Easy, start thinking about training camp for the New Orleans Saints. And when you look at uh, publications around the country, and part of it has to do with all you know, due respect that the division is not expected to be real strong. More and more momentum appears to be going the New Orleans Saints' way, and uh, a lot of people are saying the Saints would be the prohibitive favorite to win that division. Things are looking good right now, at least at yeah, least on paper. I
4: think- yeah, I, I think the, the Panthers are kind of seen as that, as that maybe that other contender there in the division, uh, they've put together a good defense. And it, it just remains to be seen what they can do with offense. A quarterback, a little bit uncertain. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Saints it's, are in position. And one thing I think everybody's talking about is, is the depth really across the board that they've developed. There's, there's really not one area to where you kind of scratch your head, oh, gosh, this guy goes down or that guy goes down. They're really in bad shape. I think maybe one thing... One area that you want to see the the now, now they've got the numbers on the offensive line, but you want to see how that that group kind of progresses in this uh, going into this season. Uh, they were a little bit up and down, sometimes inconsistent. But overall, they're a solid group and they've got a good talent there. But really, across the board, they've got good depth in every area. And I think that you know, and they hadn't necessarily had that in the past, especially at running back. Uh, but with Kamara's situation, Mark Ingram obviously moving on. Uh, they went out there and really addressed
1: that in a big way. So, do you th- early on there were some um, you know question marks about Dennis Allen? People weren't really necessarily sold on him. Is the public relations uh, wave going a little bit more for him now? How, how do people think about Dennis Allen? What do they think of him now?
4: Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think there are still plenty of skeptics about Dennis Allen, even in the, in the New Orleans market. I, I think there's a lot of people that just want to see him prove it, as they should. I mean, that's what every coach's job is to go out there and win some football games. Uh, but in terms of how the offseason has gone, and how he, it appears he's really kind of put together a staff that more reflects his opinion, say, on the defensive side, uh, you've got a new Saints defense coordinator, Woods, in there now. Um, it's this is a staff that probably should more reflect who Dennis Allen is as opposed to just kind of bringing uh, Sean Payton, the, the remnants of Sean Payton's staff, along with him. So, you know, the talent is there as long as they're healthy, and, and Dennis Allen puts the product on the field that he wants to. Uh, this is the year where everybody's going to see what Dennis Allen's made of. Uh, this is where he's putting himself in a position to succeed. And I think Mickey Loomis and the rest of the general, just the rest of the office, did a good job of putting together the talent.
1: And this is this is kind of a broad question. Before I throw it back to Bob, but but generically, what are they realistically expecting out of Derek Carr in his, in his initial campaign with the Saints?
4: You know, no, nobody. I mean, I think everybody. You know, just they, they, all they want is the playoff. They don't talk about you know what what numbers or what what exactly role Derek Carr is going to fill. I think they at this point know. You know, they've been worked with him for a while. They think they know what they want to get out of him, but. It remains to be seen, you know, how, how this offense kind of develops around him and and whether Michael Thomas is going to be on the field for, say, 17 games or is, how many games is Alvin Kamara going to be out. So, it, it, you know, Derek Carr has got a chance uh, to be the guy and, and kind of carry this offense, but this offense is only going, to, only going to reach its max potential if you have those guys on the field. So I, I think the expectation is, even through the ups and downs of a season, Carr is a guy that, you know, with, with the talent the Saints have, they're still going to put a winning product on the field, a team that can win, you know, 10 games at the very least, 9 to 10 games, uh, be in the playoff conversation towards the end of the season. If they have everybody on the field around Car, you're talking about a team that could potentially win 12 games, you know, something like that. So expectations are high, but I, I don't think anybody wants to kind of get ahead of themselves. They want to wait and see what Carr is made of.
2: And Patrick, does the schedule shape up pretty well for the Saints? It seems like maybe we touched on that earlier in the year, but a really favorable schedule.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, everybody says, "Oh man, this schedule is so easy," you know. And we've talked about it before. Things are going to change once the season starts. Different teams are going to step up and be different. So, I, I, there is no easy, easy schedule in the NFL. Every week's tough, and and the Saints are fully capable of screwing this up. So. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to say this is an easy schedule, but on paper, yes, it is an easier schedule.
2: Well, it could be easier if you throw the commanders in there a couple of times, but they don't get to play them, correct?
4: Yeah, well, actually, I don't have the schedule for them. Yeah, they may plan for all I know. But, uh, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I guess as a commander, they need a year or two to get things
2: right. Yeah, they're going to need a decade or two, I think, uh, to get things right. I think we've just run up against the break here. But when we come back, Patrick, I want you to break down the conference uh, that the Saints are in. Where do you think Tampa's going to be now that uh, Kelly's favorite player has finally retired? The Falcons? uh The... Uh... Uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, just your thoughts about uh, about the conference and 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 who the Saints uh, will have to the division, I should say, and who the Saints uh, will have to battle. Uh, you good with that? Yeah, sure. All right, we've got Patrick McGee from NOLA.com on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. I want to remind you, you can hear the Eagle Hour on podcast form. Wherever you get your favorite podcast. the Eagle Hour is there about 15 minutes after we uh, finish the show every day. You can even tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Kelly, how's that going? Is that any, any better for you getting a response from Alexa? No, she
1: keeps telling me don't come any closer that she's got mace.
2: And she That's calls not a surprise. No, and she calls security frequently, doesn't yes. she, Kelly? On her own. <laughs> I even try to speak German.
1: That doesn't do any good either.
2: So Got about thirty seconds till the music hits. We're
3: gonna. Um, we had some audio issues. We're gonna try to get Patrick back on the line in Hattiesburg. That'll be good. And so we'll, we'll get that fixed up. Yeah, but... we got
2: double producers today. We have got Michael Bergens in Laurel, and uh, we got Will Tony. Uh, Michael's in Hattiesburg. Will Tony's here in uh, Laurel, and Kelly and I are just the two gum guys that sit down and they <laughs> they point their finger at us when pretty uh, much when we're supposed to talk. So the Super Talk Eagle Hour uh, will continue with the Professor Patrick McGee from all Dot .com right after this
0: The Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top.
1: Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. They've got trivia every once in a while on Wednesday nights. It's kind of homemade trivia. Booty, the bartender there, makes up uh, some good questions. A lot of trivia about Southern Miss and about the city of Hattiesburg. A lot of fun down there on Wednesday nights. Well, they've got something going on all the time at uh, 4th Street Bar and Grill. All the Southern Miss fans uh, pregame there, no matter what season, football, uh, basketball tomorrow is uh, catfish friday and uh, you can join them there for the plate lunch the blue plate lunch every day at uh, at fourth street bar and grill right over the highway 49 bridge continuing our conversation with nola.com's patrick mcgee uh patrick bob prior to the break talked about breaking down the nfc south so break it down for us let's talk about all the team strength and weaknesses and how you think it's going to eventually shake out
4: well, as we talked about before the break, the Saints kind of feel like the team that, that for the most part has it all together on both sides of the ball. Uh, with Derek Carr, this quarterback situation is stabilized. Elsewhere in the division, it doesn't feel quite as stable. Now you have Bryce Young, uh, with the Carolina Panthers and obviously he's a talented guy. He's got a chance to really kind of hit the road running, but it remains to be seen if he'll be able to step right in or even, even if he's going to be starring quarterback day one, they also signed Andy Dalton as kind of a bridge. To Bryce Young, and around him, you don't really have you have they they have Miles Sanders, the former Eagles running back, rushed for like thirteen hundred yards a year, year ago. So they have somebody that can kind of hitch their wagon to on offense. But other than that, you know, you add Adam Thielen, who's nice, but it's not offense that's really going to put you know you know make you lose any sleep or anything. Defensively, they were a good defensive team last year, and and no, you know, there's they're going to be if the quarterback situation works out for the Panthers, a Bryce Young. Is a fast learner. They're a dangerous team in my book. I think some people kind of lean towards the Falcons just because they've made so many additions on defense. Uh, but I, I still, whenever you're going into the season with Desmond Ritter as your guy uh, and your second best option is Taylor Heineke, I I just find it hard to believe that the Falcons are going to be an offense that's really going to be that dangerous. You know, you have Kyle Pitts, uh, a really talented uh, tight end. And you know Drake London's a good receiver, but overall, I mean, I just the Falcons are going to be good defensively, but offensively, they have a chance to be one of the worst in the NFL. And the Buccaneers, nobody is buying. Uh, but I could see Baker Mayfield in his first year with Tampa maybe playing a little bit better because he's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin to work with the receiver. Uh, but overall, it, it's it's not a team that really. <laughs> Really bring is going to inspire a lot of confidence. They just didn't look that great last year, even though they won the division, got into the playoffs. Uh, Tom Brady's not there. They really don't have any of that that swagger that everybody kind of you know uh, associated with team a year ago. This just feels like kind of a rebuild year to me. And overall, I think the Falcons and Carolina can be competent teams that I think Carolina could even flirt with five hundred and better. Uh, but to me, the Saints have to be the, considered a fairly clear favorite. Nothing that's what the betting markets reflect also.
1: One of the things that Atlanta Falcon fans continually complain about is how high that Kyle Pitts was taken in the draft and how underused he seems to be. Yeah. What's up with that, Patrick?
4: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have any great insight on, on the Falcons. It, it did feel like you didn't see as much of Pitts last year as you, as you would have thought you would have seen. He was, you know... Every time he's got his ball, you know, uh, his hand on the ball or the pass is being thrown his way, he just—you could tell—he's the different player out there. You know, he's the guy that can be a game changer, uh, but they've got to figure out a way to get him more involved. Uh, it, yeah. I just—I I just can't see the Falcons being very good on offense in general. There's just no, no real. Threat there, nothing that really kind of is, is going to really surpass some of these other teams in the division, which is expected to be a weak division as a whole.
1: And Patrick, I'll, I'll throw you back to Bob here in a second, but I, I just, you know, you talked about the Saints staying healthy, and forgive me for my cynicism, but the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, and if Michael Thomas spends plays more than three games this year, I, I will be shocked. I mean, the guy has, the guy has just been, you know, physically. Banged up every single year is you know what? What are your thoughts on on Michael? Well, can they stay healthy?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, the, the way you look at it is, is Michael Thomas is, it comes relatively cheap, and they've got they they one guy everybody's kind of looking at is At Perry, the guy they got in the draft out of Wake Forest. So I, I think the reason everybody isn't like, oh gosh, what's Michael Thomas going to do? What's, I think they've got enough. Chris Olave really is the best receiver the Saints have at this point. Uh, he, he showed that he's really a Pro Bowl caliber guy a year ago. He had missed a couple of games because of the injuries, but he's supposedly a little bit bigger, stronger, well adjusted to the second season. So I think, you know, while it's it's perfectly reasonable to say, well, if Michael Thomas isn't out there, what, you know, that's a huge blow. Right. But I mean, overall, I think this, they're much better at tight end, I think. Foster Moreau, uh, obviously, the only health concerns uh, in that, but it, it, it seems like he's going to have a quick recovery. Uh, getting him on the field. So, I mean, Jawan Johnson looked great at tight end. Finally feels like he's kind of selling his NFL tight end. He's got his – he's has yet to even kind of get close to what he's capable of. So, I think overall in the passing game, are going to be more than enough targets to go around if Michael Thomas isn't out there. I think people are stressing a little less at this
1: point. Bob, the Saints head to camp in about, to, what, three and a half or four weeks. The NFL season will be upon us before yeah, you know it as Yeah, it's going to be
2: here before you know it. You know, as I, as I look at the whole NFC, though, I, I, I still go back to a team that I think had their quarterback not get injured would have probably be playing in the Super Bowl, Patrick, and that's the 49ers. Uh, if if they get that kid from Iowa State back uh, and get him uh, up where he can play, they really could be the the NFC favorite. Is that fair to say?
4: Yeah, if, if Purdy's out there, I think he had, he had Tommy John surgery, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. I, I forget exactly what it was. I know it was some type of procedure on Gilbo. Uh Yeah, if Purdy's out there, I mean, heck, it has been so it, it doesn't really matter who the 49ers have ahead at quarterback. Uh, where there's Trey Lance, Garoppolo, Purdy, it just seems that that machine still goes. And right. I, I think the, the Eagles, obviously, uh, I, I think have to be considered the favorite uh, overall, but the 49ers to me are right there with them. Outside of that, I just don't see anybody really, as, as, as I noted earlier, things can change and some teams can kind of step up. Uh, but I, I don't see the Cowboys really threatening either the Eagles or the Forty
2: ers Yeah, and two and two NFC teams that I, I think have been pretty dominant uh, in the last couple of years. I look to see a big drop off, and that would be the Rams and and you mentioned it, the Bucks.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, 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 the Rams are kind of in a bad way. Last season was kind of tough to watch at times with the injuries they had and everything worked out. But yeah, the the Bucks are taking taking a step back. But if Mayfield, you know, suddenly becomes a new guy and is tearing it up, uh, that would be, he, you know, that would be kind of the story of the season. But I, I don't see that happen.
1: Really, yeah. guys, when when you look at the NFC versus the the AFC, most people will say, and this is solely based on the star-studded caliber talent that the quarterbacks are in the AFC. It's almost like, you know, whoever wins the AFC is, is going to be the, the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Because when you look at, you know, the Mahomes, uh, the Burrows, the, the Herberts, you know, all the, the kid with uh, the Buffalo Bills, who's uh, uh, Allen. Josh Allen. I mean, you know, all those great quarterbacks. And they all seem to be in the AFC, um, mm-hmm. which is good for the Saints, but I mean, you know, if you get to the to the Super Bowl, just based on quarterback play, man, all the stud quarterbacks, you know, seem to be in the AFC. Bur- who is yeah. Burroughs.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Saints saw this as an opportunity. <laughs> they see a window this season. And I think that's why they were pretty aggressive. Uh in the division. If things break their way, they get in the playoffs, they play their best football at that point. Maybe one or two teams suffers a, a setback injury wise. Next thing you know, the Saints are in the Super Bowl. It's not that out of <laughs> you know, Reed, it's not that far out of reach right. for the Saints to get there. Now they would be, you know, like you said, I mean, it, it's kind of got that feeling a little bit, it, it, and we haven't gotten to that point, but back to the 80s and 90s when the, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Redskins uh, were just, you know, rolling, running off Super Bowl win after Super Bowl win. The AFC just couldn't do anything. We're not at that point yet. It was such a strange gap as back then. Uh, but there, you, there is a distinct difference between these two leagues in terms of quarterback play.
2: Can you repeat that scenario one more time, Patrick, just for me? That felt so good to hear that. What what did you just say?
4: Well, I mean, it, you know, you win the division, you're in the playoffs, you're hosting the playoff game, and the Saints right. the Saints they were playing their best football at that point, and then maybe another mm-hmm. team or two, you know, has some had some tough luck, an injury or two, the Saints are easily, you know, there is a path to the Super Bowl for the Saints this right. year, no, and that's I why it. I believe Yeah, and the Saints that's why the Saints I believe were so aggressive this year. Going and getting established quarterback that that they can win with right now, uh, getting Jamal Williams, a running back from the Lions, uh, filling in some gaps on defense that was already a strong unit. So yeah, the the path yeah. is there. The Saints can flirt with twelve wins and be in a pretty darn good position going to the playoffs. Yeah. But uh, again, they just have to play well and stay healthy on right. the field.
2: But but who are those three teams you said back in the nineties were dominating, Patrick? I, I, no. I think. The red, the Redskins, the
4: Cowboys, and the
2: 49ers. Did you hear that, Kelly? The Redskins. I, I, the Redskins.
4: Did. I did, Bob. And look, I'm, I'm
1: with you, buddy. I, I wish, I wish they were still the Redskins, but alas and alack, they, they are not anymore. And you know, we talked about the talented quarterbacks in the AFC. Now, Aaron Rodgers is over there too in the AFC. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the back, the backlog of, of great quarterback talent in the AFC. That pool just continues, you know, to get. Yeah, full of more talent. So man, it's it's tough in the AFC. I'm
4: I think we can just call him Roberts old man Aaron Rodgers at this point. I don't know if we can call him just Aaron Rodgers. He may be old yeah. man Aaron Rodgers
3: now. I was going to say putting him in a conversation with the elite quarterbacks. I don't know. Hey, look, Tom. <laughs> Whoa, that, man, come on. That man. guy that retired with Tampa Bay last year
1: played pretty at a pretty high level for a long yeah, time. That
2: would be Tom Brady, the goat, Kelly. Yeah. Hey, hey, Patrick. Thanks, buddy. We know you're going to be on vacation next week. We promise not to bother you. <laughs> All
4: right. See y'all.
2: Patrick McGee, everybody, NOLA.com. We'll be back uh, to wrap this show up right after this.
0: Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. D1
1: and d Sports and Softball Academy sponsor the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour. Now, I know it says Baseball and Softball Academy, but on the fitness side of D1, kids are getting ready for the upcoming football season and cheer season, which takes a lot of uh, physical fitness, of course, and with the stifling 110... A degree heat indice conditions outside. It's always air conditioned inside D1. They've got summer camps going on too. So if the kids are always sitting around going, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. Well, there's always something going on at D1 and D Bat. You can check them out online. We're glad to have them along here on the Eagle Hour. And don't forget Mobe Bay Beignet, the official Beignet store of the Eagle Hour, and the summer flavors of strawberry and lemon. You can get those uh, dips to go along with those beignets that, that they don't even they don't even make until you order them. So that's how fresh they are, along with uh, your uh, powdered sugar that you get and the array of coffees, both hot and cold. Mobay Beignet Company. Tomorrow on the program, former Southern Miss head football coach Todd Munkin, who we always love having on the show because there's a guy Bob that never holds his tongue, and if it's mm-hmm. on his mind, he's going to tell you about it course, he's got a national championship ring as offensive coordinator of the Georgia Bulldogs and the NCAA. Had nothing more to prove in college football. Now the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens in the National Football League. And we talked about all the great quarterbacks in the AFC. He gets to work with one in Lamar Jackson, who we didn't even mention on that long yeah. list of, of great quarterbacks. Todd Munkin, will get to get his views on NIL, the transfer portal. We'll see if that had anything to do with maybe him getting out of college football. Of course, again, he didn't have anything else to prove uh, in the college game uh, other than being a head coach. But, you know, the, the offensive coordinator gig now in the NFL where he's he had interviewed before for different head coaching positions in the National Football League. But Todd Munkin. Will be back with us on the program tomorrow. It'll be great to talk with him at length. I know. Mm-hmm. I know, Bob. He's a. You always enjoy getting to talk to. Coach yeah, I think
2: he's. I think he's just a great football coach. And and I, to be honest with you, Kelly, that's probably not good news for the world of the Cincinnati Bengals to have Todd Munkin show up uh, in your and your division as the OC for uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. No. All, always, always tough.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I agree. But but it's that's nothing different. I mean. Right. You know, that, that's the problem I always had with the Patriots always getting the number one seed because they they played in a terrible division. At the time, the Dolphins and Jets and Bills, none of them were any good. So they, they always had like a 6-0 and record in their division every year where it wasn't just the Bengals, but the Ravens were never going to get to be number one. The Steelers were never going to get to be number one because they were always beating up on
2: each other, you know. Yeah. Um, right. Well, Kelly, as everybody that listens to the show knows, Michael Mergens, who's producing there in Hattiesburg, is a big Chicago Bear fan. Michael, you got to be pretty happy about the, the situation with your uh, arch-rival Green Bay and, and one of the great quarterbacks of all time leaving there. That puts the Bears, I think, in a much better position.
0: Well, as we talked, he actually it sounds like he left last year, but he was still showing up. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, he yeah. mentally checked out. Uh, so, yeah, we saw what the, they, they put way too much reliance on the, the quarterback position. They've always done that, and they got to figure something else out because that's what always happens they lose that quarterback and they fall very quickly they've got it's
3: almost you know, the same situation as when Brett Favre left the packers yeah. and it just yeah. was crazy
0: yeah and that's yeah. why i started
3: liking brett
2: And they left the Packers. And they both went to the New York Jets. Right. 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 They both went to the New York Jets. And then Brett goes to Minnesota and almost goes back to the Super Bowl. Right. But,
1: but Bob, you know, Michael had an interesting theory as to why Aaron Rodgers didn't perform very well last year. Michael, do you care to
2: share that uh, theory? He was high. He was. Absolutely he was. He was aiding the Blue Witch. <laughs> <laughs> the Blue Witch changed Aaron Rodgers. There's no question. Yep. There's you, no you question so. about that. Now, I've, yeah. I've,
0: I can honestly say I've never fallen into that as a musician. Most people assume because I'm a musician. I have. Nope. But right. I've, I've been in music long enough, and I, I know how people react with that stuff. And I can't imagine. Right. Sometimes I can't imagine how musicians pull it off. I can't imagine pulling it off as a football player.
1: So you think Aaron Rodgers uh, played in the National Football League
0: high?
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, he's advocating for psychedelics now. So what do
2: you expect?
0: And I could turn it around and say he was probably high for wanting to play for the Packers. And uh,
2: yeah, uh, Michael, you you kind of deep down in your heart there is a little Green Bay Packer burning in your heart, isn't there? Where, where's
1: the? <laughs> Where's the technical difficulty? uh?
2: We'll be back. Michael doesn't like to hear about the the, uh, Green Bay Packers. Hey, where where are the beers? Michael's kind of made friends with Favre when he was coming in doing commercials. Did you ever
0: reveal that to him, Michael? Yeah, and I apologized to him for all the things I called him while he was playing, because I did feel bad. It's like I said some things I shouldn't have, and he told me, well, that means I was just doing my job. And there now that he—and really, now that he's not playing, and I told him, now you're not playing, I can look back at your career and admit he was a great player. It's why they're yeah. playing and beating my team that I'm a little frustrated. And real quick, where are the Bears going to wind up? They're leaving Soldier Field, right, or possibly? They still don't know. They're meeting with people in Arlington Heights, but now there's uh, another option in Waukegan, uh, so it's not definite. And, of course, the city of Chicago is still trying to get them to stay at Soldier Field. Gotcha. Wow. All
2: right, full crew today, guys. We appreciate everybody pitching in and helping uh, so we could do this the way we did it today. Back tomorrow at 1 o'clock, got a former great Southern Miss football player on the show. And as Kelly said, uh, Todd Munkin. So be sure to tune in. Until tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top.
1: top. i to like an eagle